Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, we have some big casting news about Chapter 2 of Beyond Salem. So in addition to the actors that we've already mentioned, including Christian Alfonso as Hope, Peter Reckle as Beau, and Steve Burton as Harris, we're also going to see Eileen Davidson reprise the role of Kristen. Eileen's real-life husband, Vince Van Patten, will play a man named Phil. Christopher Sean, who most recently appeared in Netflix's You, will be back as Paul Narita. And the show has also recast some legacy offspring. So the role of Stephanie Johnson, previously played by Shelley Hennig, who is Stephen Kayla's daughter, will now be played by soap newcomer Abigail Klein. Tanner Stein will play Stephanie's brother, Joey. And Colton Little has been tapped to play Shane and Kimberly's son, Andrew Donovan, who we have really never seen as an adult and is also Teresa's brother. And finally, Victoria Grace will play Wendy Shin, who is connected to Remington Hoffman's Lee. How fun is all I can say. You know, Christopher Sean has so many fans who miss him as Paul, so it'll be wonderful to see him again in the Salem universe. And it is just absolutely wild that we have never seen Andrew Donovan as an adult. You know, there are a handful of characters like that that just seem like such a no-brainer to introduce because of the strong ties that already exist for them to the canvas. Like uh, Tom and Simone Hardy's son, Tom Jr. on GH fits that bill as well. Uh, So I love that he'll be part of this and I'm very interested to see these recast versions of Stephanie and Joey because hello, Stephen Kayla's children are automatically very important characters to the history of the show. I am so, so curious to see, you know, what the storyline will be that ties all of these disparate people together. Oh, me too. And, you know, I just really love how thoughtfully Ron Carlovati puts this series together, you know, from the who do fans want to see to who can we introduce, who could maybe cross over to the main show like they did with Zach Tinker's Sonny. Mm-hmm. You know, so we'll see. I cannot wait for July 11th to see how it all unfolds. Now, in the new issue, I had the chance to talk to Peter Reckle about returning to the soap to do the ghostly appearances bow when the devil was vanquished. And I also talked to him about Beyond Salem and reteaming with Christian. Uh, now, Mara, I know you remember when we had him on the podcast, but he got emotional talking about how when he stepped away from days in 2012, it was to raise his daughter, Loden. And he got just as emotional talking again about her to me. But Loden is now 14, and he and his family moved from New Zealand to Alaska, where his wife Kelly is from. So now that Peter's back stateside, he'd be open to seeing if they can maybe make more visits happen. You know, he kept it very open, which I think is cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that he said that struck me was that 
he said in 2012, you know, he felt the writing maybe could have been on the wall for the show. You know, after all, All My Children and One Life were freshly canceled at that point. But he said to be there now in 2022, there's such an invigorated feeling on set and everyone's really excited about doing the show. And I think that is just so great to hear. You know, Steve Burton really kind of made that same point to me and felt that same energy uh, when I spoke to him recently about his Beyond Salem experience. Um, but my goodness, it was such a joy to see Peter in ghost form on the main series the other week. And it certainly whetted my appetite for more bow. Uh, now, someone who felt the impact of One Life to Live's cancellation back in 2012 quite deeply was Josh Kelly, who was in the throes of his first contract as Cutter when ABC announced that the show was coming to an end. This week, he made a dramatic and wet introduction to General Hospital as Cody, who was a summer camp buddy of Dante's and is slated for storyline with Brit. I talked to Josh for an interview in the new issue, and he said that he was really bummed when One Life ended and had always felt like there was more he wanted to do in daytime. Uh, he actually reached out to the show's executive producer, Frank Valentini, who had previously been his boss at One Life, and that sparked the development of his new character, Cody. He said he was really excited uh, when he got to the studio and ran into old One Life pals like Roger Howarth and Michael Easton. He does a fabulous Michael Easton impression, by the way. Uh, and uh, also, he had some ties to established GHers like Kirsten Storms. Uh, he's still very close with the Aldersons, Kristen and Eddie. And when Kristen was playing Star and later Kiki on GH, they once went out to dinner with Kirsten, uh, which Kirsten brought up to him when they ran into each other at the studio, and it just made him feel more at home than he would have, uh, you know, if he was like walking in like a total new kid on his first day. Uh, he also watched GH with his sister back in his school days and said that his main memory of that era is just thinking that Sonny Corinthos was the coolest <laughs> and that he got a chance to share that with Maurice Bernard, Sonny's portrayer. I think he's going to bring a different and, you know, kind of fun energy to the show. So I'm excited to see where Cody's story will head. You know, I am too. I always like Josh as an actor, and I think he will make a really great addition. Now, speaking of great additions, our guest today made her first appearance on Young and the Restless in 2020 and now has daytime Emmy nominee in front of her name. It's Tosha Story, who plays Naya. So let's get her on the line and see how her first soap experience has been. Hi, Tosha. Hi. How are you doing? Hello. I am wonderful. How are you all? We're good. We're so happy you're with us today. And yeah. uh, we're looking forward to getting to know more about you. Um, so we're going to start that you were born in Memphis, Tennessee, but grew up in the Dallas area. So how did your family wind up there? Wow. Well, I was, like you said, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, and I was there till about uh, seven. And then my mother found a place in, in Dallas because she, she was very young, you know. And so she found a job in Dallas, Texas. And so then she decided, okay, that's where she's going to move. So we just, she just uprooted us and we went to Dallas. Um, I grew up there and, you know, some humble beginnings, um, you know, projects and, you know, just trying to survive and trying to, you know, keep it going, figure out who I was as a young kid in this new town. And um, then I went to, well, I went to, you know, uh, uh, elementary and all of that. But then I went to this middle school called Griner. And I was, you know, I, I could sing a little bit, but I was trying to figure out what, like, what would I like to do? And this little Jewish white lady named Miss Perry was like, I need you to come to my mind troop. And I'm like, mine, you know, I'm a little girl from the projects. And I'm like, mine? But like, what is that? You know? 
And it was, um, you know, she introduced me to Marcel Marceau and, and just this whole mind world. And so I was part of this mind troupe in the seventh grade, acting without words. And then from that, she took me to my first play, which was Annie. And um, I was like, oh my God, like musical and theater. And, and that was, I guess, the birth to me, really appreciating the art uh, from mime to watching the musical. And then she encouraged me to go to a school of performing arts, a high school called uh, Arts Magnet High School. And it changed my life. Um, I was able to channel all the negative energy that I had into focusing on acting. And it, it just, I don't know, it just changed my life. So I just, I'm so, I'm forever indebted to just all the teachers in my life that has just changed the trajectory of my life because I had really no direction. Um, then from there, I went to Arts Magnet, where that's where um, Erica Badu, Roy Hargrove, um, we all went to school together there. And there, I joined the Mind Troupe, <laughs> and um, I did a lot of musical theater. And at that time, we had no money, so I didn't think about college. I didn't think that was an opportunity to do that. Well, again, you know, the, my counselor there, um, she was like, no, you're going to go to college. So she was throwing me all these scholarships. I was going to all these acting competitions and all of that. And then my English teacher, Carol Francois, who's now my godmother, um, and I just have a whole village of teachers who just fed into my life and helped me to fly, to uh, com compete or whatever. And so I ended up getting like 13 scholarships to, I mean, well, to 13 schools. And I ended up having the most money in my high school to go to college. <laughs> so I ended up going to SMU, Southern Methodist University, where I majored in acting. And from there, the rest is history in terms of I just knew that that was my purpose and my um, and my journey, and I've been on that journey ever since. It's an incredible origin story, if you will. Yes. I'm so curious, when you entered this arts school, which I imagine had uh, a creative environment that was different from your previous schooling, different from home life, let's say. Yes. Was it a culture shock? Was it challenging for you at all to navigate that transition? It was such a culture shock. Um, again, I had a traditional mindset where I, I was going to go to regular high school. I was going to be a cheerleader. You know, that's all I knew, right? And I remember when I went to Arts Magnet, it was like fame. You know, it was like everybody was artsy. People had different color hair. They're like, what am I into? So I remember I went part-time for like the first semester. And then I went to the regular school because I was like, I don't know. This is kind of strange. And, um, and then it just, you know, I realized that at the regular school, it was about who was the best dressed, who was the cutest, who was the, you know. And then at the Arts Magnet, it was really about just honing in on your craft and having a purpose and people were really truth and it was so much truth and honesty about who you were and so i could really find out who i was as opposed to trying to be like someone so yeah it was strange at first but it was the best thing that that ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. pretty incredible yeah. um now do you have any memories of erica badu from being at school with her oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah she was um erica was a dancer <laughs> Um, it was Erica Wright. She was a dancer in high school and I was an actress, you know, in high school. And um, yeah, I mean, we were just regular students, you know, and everybody had their cluster and uh, they would support, you know, she would come support our theater and then I would, we would support dance and we had the music department. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, it was such a, it was such a family, even with Roy Hargrove. Um, it was just such a beautiful family. Like, I don't know that I felt that sense that, you know, me going to high school. 
Um, I remember even like we didn't have a car and my English, my, not my English, my teacher, Nedra James was like, well, you need to get your driver's license. I was like, yeah, I know, but I don't, we don't have a car. And she took me to get my driver's license. You know, um, when I went to college, you know, I just, I left and Carol Francois, who was my English teacher, like I said, is now still my godmother. Nedra James, who took me for a license, you know, she's my, one of my acting teachers. Um, uh, Marion Marshall, they were all like, okay, you're going to college. I mean, I had towels and sheets and bikes and, you know, and I always say that God just sent angels in my life and they believed in me. They saw things in me that I didn't even see in myself. And so even when I went to S2, you know, got in the acting program. And at that time, they were only selecting 10 people a year. And I was one of the 10. But, and then I ended up getting, you know, two majors there, um, free. You know, when you think that, you know, when you don't, you don't even think you're going to college. And then you end up getting accepted to like 13. And then <laughs> you go and you don't have to pay a cent. I mean, come on. <laughs> Give me all the majors. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I just think God has just sent angels, you know, once you figure out your purpose and in your intent, because I think we all are here on this earth for a reason. And once you find that, then it's like, he just sends angels to support that. And then you thrive. And that's what has happened to me. I'm also curious to hear more. Uh, I know you said there were only 10 uh, students accepted into the acting program that you attended. And yeah. I know from reading an interview with you in Soap Opera Digest that you were the only student of color among those yes, 10. I was. was that a lonely experience for you at all? Or did it not have a lot of impact on your lived experience of yeah. student That's life? That's a very good question. And yeah, it was lonely. It was really lonely at first. Because again, as you know, the trajectory of my life at that point, and then going and being the only African-American in the program, um, it, the program initially was bereft of plays and teachers that reflected me, you know? Even when we were, you know, learning about theater history, like there was nothing in the program that was a reflection of, of me and, 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 and my culture. And so, yes, it was really, really challenging. Like I was honored to be that, but I was challenging as a, as a little black girl um, going to this Eurocentric college. Mm -hmm. But what was beautiful is that they, I was able to speak about it and how I felt about it. And I was really instrumental in helping to recruit more African-Americans uh, into the program later on. You know, I would speak up about like, where is, you know, we talk, we're, we're in theater history and we're talking about classics and there are no, there's no raisin in the sun. You know, there's no, like, we gotta, we gotta fix this. And so they were really open to um, my contribution in terms of that. And so I, so my experience there was, you know, I, I was fighting a lot to just make sure that it was some equality happening. And it was, it was great that they were open to, yes. to those suggestions, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, well, after college, you got married and had your son, Jordan, who's also I an did. actor. So yeah. tell us about your early years as a mom, uh, one who was also working and active in the theater community in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Yes, you, 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 I love you, you've done your homework, yes. So, once I graduated, um, you know, I didn't have any, I just wanted to work on stage. I mean, after I graduated from SMU, you know, as an actor. So I worked as an actor. I worked, you know, as a director, you know, directing plays. We did commercials, print work. You know, you just kind of put it all together when you're in a city like Dallas, Texas, because it's not L.A. per se. So it's a lot, you know, so you can make a living by doing it. But then it got to a point where I had to work a lot of corporate jobs because, you know, once I um, was married and 
you know, had my son, you know, of course, life, you know, life costs. So I just, I, I just kind of balanced it off. And I remember it got really, really tough because I'm trying to be a mom, a wife, an actress, a director, because I don't want to, to not honor, you know, what I, what I think is my purpose. And then, but I don't want to not honor my family. So it, it, it got a little challenging. You know, we were able to kind of figure it out. And then I decided that um, well, our marriage didn't work out. <laughs> so I decided to get a divorce. And uh, when, I, when I did do that, it was like, okay, now I'm going to make a decision for me. And what will I like to do? And so I decided that, you know, now that I can just make a decision for me, I'm going to move to Los Angeles. So that's when I moved to Los Angeles with my son and um, didn't know many people. I knew a couple of people that were there, you know, that were actors, but I didn't know, like I didn't have family or any support system in, in LA at the time. And I just moved there and decided, okay, I'm going to try to figure out how I can do this on this level. And um, my son was, uh, I think he was like six at the time. And I remember driving in this foreign land, I call it, of LA. And I'm driving and I was like, okay, God, I just need a place that feels like home. <laughs> and so I, I found this place, this was called Adara Heights. It was just felt like Dallas, Texas. And it was like, these big properties. Again, I don't know much about LA. So I, I just know it was like triplexes and big old homes or whatever. But I just like how it felt. So I go and I'm like, this guy was painting this triplex. And I said, sir, you know, I'm from Dallas, Texas. I don't have any money. I have good credit. Um, I got a son and I want him to go to this school around the corner because I hear it's a good school. So can you rent me this place? And he's like, well, ma'am, I'm the painter and they're getting ready to sell this building. And and, um, and I was like, he said, I think they're, they could, you could buy it. And I was like, oh no. So when I went to my car and I wrote this letter and I was giving them my story and I said, and I went to the painter and I said, could you give them this letter, this owner, the letter and let him know that I would really like to rent something here. And then he gives it to him. And then a week later, the guy calls me and was like, look, we're selling this, this building for like 500,000. And to me, that was like a million dollars coming from Dallas. And I was like, oh, I can't buy it, but can I rent? And he said, you know what, I'll, I'll rent one of them to you. And if someone buys it, you might have to move. So I was like, okay. And that's how I found my place. I lived in this beautiful, amazing, rich area. And my son was able to go to a decent school. And it was like, wow, there's another angel. That's pretty freaking incredible. <laughs> um, so, okay, so you had the housing covered. Yeah. How did you make rent? How did you try to get a foothold into the industry? I remember when I was in that, in that apartment and I was, I mean, I remember crying in this fetal position, like, oh my God, what have I done? I have re, you know, I've just changed my life. I've changed my son's life. You know, we don't know anybody here. Like, what are you doing? You know, it just hit me once I got in there, like, you know, and, and I was like, okay, all right. So, you know, I, I have a degree, I have two degrees. I can, you know, so I, I started, um, somebody told me about substitute teaching. And so, um, I was just at this, um, at this law firm for a minute as I was waiting to try to become a substitute teacher, cause it's a whole process in LA to sub. And so, um, once I, you know, I was able to pay rent and all of that. And I was like, okay, but now I got to find an agent. Now I got to figure it out. I mean, it was, it was such an overwhelming experience and it was like, while I went away to college, meaning I was in Dallas and I went to SMU and I stayed on campus, I was still in Dallas. So there was family around, you know. But when I moved to Los Angeles, it, Angeles, it was really like me going to 
college, you know, because I didn't know many people. I didn't know which way to go. I had this little kid that I needed to honor because I never wanted to sacrifice my what I want for him, right? So anyway, I ended up substitute teaching. And so that was my balance. Substituting was like a way that I could still be active in my son's life, still audition, you know, here or there, and then still try to work to pay my rent and all of that. I didn't want to live in a car. I got a kid, you know? <laughs> so uh, I was able to do that for, for a long time. And then as I was teaching, I realized that the system, the, the LA Unified system was not at a standard that I wanted my son to be educated, right? So then I thought, I got to do something different. And if you know anything about LA, the private schools, it's like going to college, trying to get in. And I just thought, you know what, I got to get a better education for my kid. And so I ended up uh, getting him into a school called the Center of, the Center of Early Education, CEE. And um, it was amazing because there, every parent there was a superstar. I mean, from Eddie Murphy to Jodie Foster to Alfred Woodard to, I was like, oh my God, because he was chosen, you know, because it was, it's a really elitist school. And so he was chosen, had one slot his year that he went in and he got the slot. And so that right there was like, okay, all right, all right, God, we, we were in this. So I know I got the education covered. Now let's figure out this acting thing. So I uh, got with this manager um, and I remember that became a struggle because he wanted me to go to like red carpets and, you know, to try to elevate my acting career. But I had this kid who had a Christmas play and I'm like, oh, I can't go to that because my son has a Christmas play or I can't go to that because my son, you know, so it was a really tough balance for me because I was trying to be the right parent for my son and then trying to pursue this career. And it, that was a struggle. That part was true. Well, early on in your time in LA, you were in a theater company with YNR superstar Shamar Moore, who played Malcolm. So what comes to mind when you think about Shamar? Wow, that is so good. Yes, when I I got to LA, um, there was a theater company. It was Bill Duke. And they, you know, again, I'm just like, well, um, let me try to be a part of this theater company. So I came at the end of it where they were already kind of together. And um, I met so many people, and Shamar was one of them. And he was really handsome. Let me just say that from the get. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. Hold yeah, on a second. I mean, Never would have thought it. <laughs> but, um, but he was a cool, he was just real cool, real down to earth. Because you know, everybody at that time was, they were trying to make it. You know, and everybody was on the same level trying to, you know, get into the business and, 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 and all of that. And so it was a full circle moment when I booked a, a role on SWAT um, just recently. And um, while I didn't get to see him because my scenes weren't with him, they were with, um, here I go with names, but that was, oh, what is the, it wasn't with Shamar. So the scenes weren't with Shamar and I was like looking around hoping he would show up that day, but he didn't. But it would have been great to just, you know, see him again because, you know, just seeing how his career has just soared from that time and so many others. Um, that it's just kind of cool to, to say that I was a part of that process. Charles Dunn, he did a play called King Lear, and I got a chance to play Goneril, his daughter. And play ran at the Court Theater for like about a year. And I think we all, he did, they, they did a lot of Shakespeare shows, and I know Shamar was a part of one of them, I'm not sure which, but from that company, then that, that was born. And then that was how I was able to get a, a commercial agent from doing that play 
when I first got here and I got an agent, you know, it was, that agent was okay. But yeah, I, I was able to just be introduced, um, yeah. you know, to this world out in LA. Yeah. But it was beautiful to see smart. Yeah. Who else played Goneril? Uh, Taraji. Taraji B. Henson. You guys are so good. Yeah. So they, they, because it ran so long, they alternated nights. And so they had one cast for one night and then they had another cast for the other night. And so Taraji P. Henson played Goneril and then so did I. And that's how we met and became fast friends because we both had young sons and they just kind of grew up together and we grew up as single parents together throughout that whole process and we're still friends today. That's amazing. Amazing, yes. Yeah. Um, now, your first TV job was in the movie The Road to Galveston, where you got to work with your idol, the legendary Cicely Tyson. So what did it mean to you, and what was it like to be in her presence? Oh, my goodness. That was my first professional television job. And I was still in Dallas at the time, you know, pursuing the acting and then working and being a mom and all that. But, oh, my goodness. When I remember when I went to... Um, we shot it in Austin is where we shot it. However, so I go there and I'm so excited because it's my first film and I'm like, and it's with my idol. Like, you don't understand. Like, you really don't understand how <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And my scenes are with her. Like, what are we talking about? Like, come on. So I go and I, you know, I get there and I meet her and I remember the director says, he goes, now listen, whatever you do, do not call her by her name. You, you call her by character. It was Sugar, right? She was like, you call her by character. So she's like, you know, she's method actor, right? <laughs> like she is in it. And I just remember when I saw that and I saw how she worked, it was such a lesson to me in a short amount of time that it's about really being committed to this character. And she doesn't, she didn't break for anyone. So you know how when you shoot a film and once somebody raps, you know, they finish all their scenes, they go such and such rap and everybody claps, right? Cicely Tyson was in a corner, still in her character, and would not break for anyone. And I just marveled at that. I marveled at her commitment to her work. And I think that's what I, what I took from her in terms of, you know, when you're doing these characters, it is your job to honor their lives and to make sure that you breathe everything you can into this human being and honor them. And so that's what I got from her. But even when we did our scenes, you know, she was like, when we, when we did the rehearsal, and when we shot it, it was everything she was focused. And not until she rapped did she have a conversation with me about anything or anyone for that matter. She was very, very dedicated to her work. That's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, as we're talking, I'm thinking to myself that really for most people, this business is really hard and there is a lot of a lot of no's. But you also had this added element of being so beautifully committed to raising your son. And you've said earlier that it, that was a challenging balance, yeah. Yeah. but I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on how you handled those times when you felt discouraged or overwhelmed. Mm. And did you ever think of saying, I'm, I'm going to go back to Texas? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I always thought, you know, when I was in Dallas, as I was growing, you know, as I continued to grow into, you know, who I was as a human being and what I thought I wanted and what I thought my purpose was, I always felt like there was something more. Always. I didn't know what that more was, but I just felt like it was something more. And so my way of trying to honor that was to move to Los Angeles. So, um, like, I, like I said earlier, it, it got really tough because I, again, I'm, I'm never going to sacrifice my child. 
but I know it's still I want to honor me. And to find that balance being a single parent in this foreign land was just really, really tough. And, you know, financially it got really tough because now my kid's in private school and I want to continue to you know, make sure he gets that. You know, um, emotionally it got tough because I don't have a support system there. And um, so it was tough all around. But I think what kept me going was knowing that I could always go home, right? But every time I would think about it, after, you know, I, it just would be like, but no, it's, it's, you just got to stay in line. I kept saying, you just got to stay in line. So I, I kept having to motivate myself that you got to stay in line. So there was one point, though, because we would go home every Christmas. And I would, I would call that my recharging so that I can go back and, you know, fight. And I remember when Jordan was going to ninth grade and my house had gotten broken into while I was away in Texas. And I thought, OK, God, is this a sign? Like, you know, because I'm not really doing a whole bunch of acting because I'm having to work all the time so that I can make sure that my son is good, that we, you know, that we have rent and food and he can still have a life. And so I, I talked to my son and I'll never forget it. I said, son, I said, I think, you know, starting your ninth grade, because he was going to go to ninth grade. I said, I think I'm just going to go home and because I'm, I feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing here on that level that I want to do it because, you know, and I said, we're going to go home. I'm going to get you into a private school in Dallas. And, you know, and he said, mom, he said, and he didn't mean this offensively, but, you know, because in his, in his young mind, he was like, mom, if, if we go back to Dallas, then I'm just going to be regular. And I was like, you are regular, child. What are you talking about? <laughs> when he was talking about all the, you know, he could, he could, all the, 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 he loves going to the uh, Knoxbury farm and the Disney's and the beach and the mountains and the, you know, and in Dallas, we don't have all of that stuff. Now I love Dallas and I'm cool with not having that. But for him, he was like, he wanted to continue. And mind you, he was in a school where his friends were like, can Jordan go on a play date to, to Paris? <laughs> you know, can Jordan go on a play date to, you know, and I, you know, so his experience and his, his life experience was so bad compared to mine based on, you know, the position that I had put him in. And he was like, oh, no. So I said, okay. So I had to talk, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a religious person, spiritual person. I had to talk with God. And I said, okay, God, now listen, I'm struggling here. And if you want me to stay in this town, you have got to, I've got to figure out a way how to own something because, you know, you have life goals and you have career goals. And so here I am, a grown adult or whatever. I don't have a property here. I don't, you know, nothing that really holds me here. So I go, so I go looking for properties and it's, you know, LA, it's a, it's a trillion dollars, right? And I'm an actor with this kid trying to whatever. So I go and I'm looking for properties and everything I see is like an apartment. And it was a million dollars for an apartment like set up. I was like, oh no, this is not going to work. I'm going home, I'm going home. So the realtor calls me and she's like, well, there's this, this condo, you know, I just want you to see. I was like, okay, I'll see it, but I'm over this. I go and see it and it actually had an extra, you know, it was two bedrooms, but it had an extra loft area. So it's like, well, this is something extra. It's not like an apartment, right? So I put in this offer. Now, mind you, I really don't have a lot of money. But I put in an offer, you know, based on my, my uh, teaching money, I put in an offer. And then, of course, people outbid me all over the place, you know. And so I, I didn't get it. So I go, I said, okay, God, that's your answer. So I'm going home. So I go, uh, that weekend, I go on this skiing trip with some friends because they were like, okay, before you do all that, let's just go. So I went to detox on this skiing trip. And, you know, that little sky lift that you go on when you ski. So I was up in the air and I got stuck right? Because they, they were like, okay, you're going to be up there a minute. It's, you, you're stuck or whatever. 
So I'm up there at the top. And I felt like I was like close to God, right? So I said, okay, God. So I have this whole conversation with God, me and God up in, with the sky lift. And I said, so, you know, I didn't get the place. And I know that if I don't have something to anchor me in this town, I'm not, I'm not staying. So I think that's your answer, whatever. Soon as I get to the bottom of this, the sky lift, back to, to the land, to, uh, yeah, back landed in the snow, right? I get this call from the realtor. And she says, Tosha, the, the other person, their, their thing fell through and it's yours. And I was like, what? Oh God, I don't know if I can afford it. Oh wait, I got to go. Oh, oh shit. Oh no. Oh, yeah, oh, okay. I'll never forget it. And I was like, okay, well, I got, I got, okay. Now I have to, cause it's mine. And so that's what kept me here. And then I, you know, I ended up buying the property, you know, holding on with dear life was with the recession during that time or whatever. And that's, what made me stay in addition, you know, to my son. So I always say that I, I moved to LA for me and I stayed for my son. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a, an incredible story on top yeah. of your already incredible stories. Yeah. Um, but it seems like a really big break in your career took place in 2016 when you were cast as Tilda in If Loving You Is Wrong. So tell us your casting story for that project. So I, my son had graduated from, from high school and I said, okay, you know, I felt like throughout my whole journey of this, the struggle of staying in LA and working, and I'd work intermittently, you know, because again, I'm, I'm my kid's mom. So when he graduated and from, from, he graduated from Greenwood School, and he got accepted to USC, and he went to USC. I said, okay, now I think it's time for me, right? So, and I always felt like that, and I'm not trying to get too spiritual on you all, but I felt like God said, if you honor your child, then I got you, you know what I mean? But I always felt, but, but God, I'm going to be too old at that point because, you know, you know, you, you can't keep, you, you can't get roles, you know. You, you think you can't get roles because at the time I went to L.A., or came to L.A., it was more, you know, how you look and if you're youthful and you're young or whatever. So when Jordan went off to, to college, I said, okay, I am going to now just focus on acting because now I have, to, I can do that. So I quit my job or whatever. And I said, because even if I have to struggle and live in my car, then it's just me. It's not my kid, right? So I decided, I said, okay, I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go to Atlanta because I want to get in front of Tyler Perry. And I feel like if I go to Atlanta and I, and, I, and I try to get an agent in Atlanta and then maybe if I audition or whatever, I can get in front of Tyler. Because something was like, I just want to get in front of this man. So um, I, I told my mom, I was like, my mom had won some trips. She said, well, I'm going to meet you in Atlanta and we'll just have like a vacation. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to find a place to live and all that. And I'm telling you, two days into me trying to, to find a place to live in Atlanta, for, I was going to do it for like a month. I get a call from um, an agent saying, you have an audition for uh, Tyler Perry. And I said, wait, what? She said, yeah, yeah, you have an audition. And it's, but it's 10 pages and it's due tomorrow. I was like, oh, shoot. Oh, wait. Okay. Okay. Wait. Oh God. Okay. Right. So I'm freaking out. I said, okay, bring it down, bring it down. So I, I mean, I'm up all night, all night. Cause I'm like, this is what I've been asking for. And how in the world is it coming to me? So I, I go to the audition the next day and I'm like, you know, it was with Kim Coleman and you know, I, the first two or three scenes, I got them. I got them. But the last two, like, you know, mom, I, I didn't, I, I didn't memorize them. And so Kim was like, okay, no, you gotta be off book. You gotta be off book. I was like, I know what I, I you know, so we were struggling. She was like, okay, just get it, get it, get it. Because she was liking what was happening. So after I do the whole audition, I leave. I sit in my car for like an hour. And I'm crying 
because I'm like, oh my God, those last two scenes, I, I didn't, you know, I, they weren't off book. I don't know if they were good. I'm, I'm paralyzed in my car, right? So finally I get home and my agent butt dials me, but I'm thinking she's calling me for something. And I said, hey, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean to call you. I was like, oh, really? Really? So I was like, oh, I didn't hear anything that day. I was like, okay, I didn't get it. Oh God, so she just blew it. You blew it. Next day, I get a call. You bucked it. I was like, you're kidding me, kidding me. Oh my God, I was so excited. So now I didn't have to move there. You know, I didn't have to do any of that because because I booked that role, here we go. So I go and I only, it was only for one, uh, one character. I mean, one scene, sorry. So I go and then they're saying, okay, when you, when you meet Miss Perry, you know, you don't want to talk to him. You know, you just want to get in there. You just do your work. I said, okay, okay, fine. So I go in and he was like, how are you doing? You know, and I said, good. He said, well, okay, you ready? I said, yes, sir, I'm ready. He was like, okay, no rehearsal, nothing. Let's go. Boom. So we shoot the scene. I was like, oh my God. So I'm looking at him and then he's not giving me any energy yet. So we shoot the next scene, next scene. So then he was like, very good young lady. And I said, okay, Mr. Perry, I know I'm not supposed to talk to you, but I just want to tell you that I'm so grateful for this opportunity. You have no idea how I, I you know, I manifested this and I wanted to tell him this story, but he was like, very good. And I said, so thank you. He said, so I said, I'm, you know, I'm leaving on tomorrow. He was like, where are you going? I said, oh, well, th that was my last scene. He was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to write more. Okay. He said, yeah, yeah. Make sure she stays here for the rest of the week. Okay. And it turned into like, I think five, six episodes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's been amazing working with him ever since. Yeah. It, it was such a blessing. That was so amazing. Yes. How did that experience like lift you up emotionally, mentally when it came to, you know, seeing some tangible proof that you were clearly on the right path? Well, it confirmed what I, what I already knew, you know, it confirmed all the, the conversations that I, I thought I was having with God. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it confirmed that, you know, that my commitment to my son, and, and I just think that's important to, to say. Because I think as actors, sometimes we, you know, because we're so into focusing on our careers that we negate our other responsibility, which I think is the primary. And I feel like that the lesson in it is if you honor your children, that you're, you still can have what you want. You don't have to negate them in order to get it. And that confirmed it for me. And it's continuing to confirm it as I continue. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I tell, especially single parents, cause I just feel like, you know, I, it's my, it's my platform at some point, because I, I got to tell you that, you know, sometimes when we want something so bad, we negate everything to just to get it. And we lose so much on the other end. And I didn't have to do that. And so by Mr. Perry casting me in that show, I was able to, 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 to pay, you know, for my son's college. You know, when you, when you look out and you, you know, you're looking ahead, you don't know how things are going to come together. But then to me, I, I feel like that if you just know that you're doing the right thing and you stay in line and you keep going and you keep going, then it falls in place. You don't have all the answers, but the answers will come. And so when I, now I can tell the story because I can look back on it and go, oh, so I did that and I had to do that to do this. And I had to do that to do this. You know, and I had to be ready to be able to move to Atlanta for a month, you know, after I, my kid is good to even put that in the universe. Mm -hmm. And then he brought it right to me. Like, why would, I mean, I hadn't that, um, and let me say this, that agent, it was like, they hadn't called me in on anything for like a long time. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
So the fact that it was like, as soon as I decided I'm going to get in front of him and I'm going to Atlanta to do it, he just popped up. So I, I think that's the lesson. I think that's the lesson. You got to believe, you got to trust, you got to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously it worked for you because you're working with Mr. Perry again as Nancy yeah. Oval. So what does it mean to you that he clearly values what you bring to his projects? Absolutely. Absolutely. I tell you, um, when I, after I did, if loving you is wrong, um, you know, again, I thought I was done, you know what I mean? And I was grateful because, you know, we've had a beautiful ride and it was fun. And then, um, I got a chance to, he, he, he called me and offered me a movie role on Acromo, right? And it just so happened that, you know, Taraji was on it. And then, you know, they both agreed that, okay, I'm the person, right? And I'm like, I got an offer. Like, I didn't have to audition. You called me and offered me a freaking role. Like, come on. All right. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> that was beautiful to be offered a movie and be able to do that. And he was very pleased. And then, you know, I'm working, doing other things and other projects. And then when this, um, when the Oval comes up. I was like, wow, it would be so great to have, you know, to do this a series regular, you know what I mean? And so I, you know, I had to audition like everybody else or whatever. And, you know, when we went to test, he was like, you know, it was very good to see you again. I was like, thank you, Tyler. It's good to see you again too. And then for him to say that, you know, I was the person once again, it's just been an amazing ride with him. And I'm just, you know, I'm very grateful that he is, he sees my gift and continues to honor it. And I continue to honor him in that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Well, uh, another uh, primetime credit I want to ask you about is your 2018 work on Empire. You played China for seven episodes, another yes. intersection with Taraji. Yes. Uh, tell us about working on Empire, RIP Empire. You're talking yeah. to a big Empire fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, you know, one of the beautiful things about acting is that, I know for me, is I like transforming, right? And most of the time, I don't look like the characters that I play. Because half the time when people see me, they're like, that's what, that was you? That was you? And that's a compliment to me. Because that means that, you know, I can transform into other people, which is why we do this thing. So with the Empire, you know, I played this um, prison inmate. Like, I've never been to prison. I don't know nothing about it. <laughs> and don't want to ever know. But just to be able to, to play that in a way that people bought it and believed it, um, um, I was Taraji's, uh, well, Cookie's best friend in prison and just going through that. It was so much fun because I got to be this hard, um, you know, this hard woman that I'm not, Tosha's not, you know, where it, it was, you know, the, the humanity of the role was beautiful because it was about, you know, sisterhood and all of that and me having already that experience with Taraji, but being able to bring that part in. But the actual character itself was so much fun because it was like we were fighting in prison and you know, just doing some things that, you know, you, you, you see, but you don't know about it. And the fact that I was able to kind of hone into that energy and be able to do that successfully was, it was really fun. So I really enjoyed it. The team, they were just wonderful. You know, everybody was just really good and supportive. I got to work with a lot of different directors and just, you know, continue to just move, you know, just to elevate my craft and, and doing it with another character, which was really fun. Mm -hmm. Well, I really have to say, when I was like looking up your credits and then I see this and then I go and I like, well, I'm like, wait, that name is familiar, China. And then I, and I, I a hundred percent was, that was her. Yeah. Yeah. That, you would not know. <laughs> I definitely remembered the character, but yes, yeah. not, not exactly the, uh, the lady that stands before me today. No, no, <laughs> no. I mean, people are like, wait a minute, but here's a funny story. So I'm in, I'm in the Oval and my son in the Oval, 
um, he was like, one of his favorite movies was Acrimony and one of his favorite shows was The Empire. And so I'm, I'm in the same, you know, he's my son in the Oval. I'm going through, we're acting, whatever. And he's, we're talking one day and he's talking about, you know, that the, oh, he loves, you know, Acrimony, he loves Empire, whatever. And I said, well, you know, I'm in it. He's like, what, you, you're in it? Yeah, yeah. You, you're in it? Yes. He's like, wait a minute. And I, so I told him the characters. He was like, no. Now we're <laughs> face to face. And he's just like blown away. He's like, that is not you. I'm like, it is me. <laughs> yeah. Talk about transforming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, in 2020, you made your first Young and Restless appearance as Naya Benedict. So now Y&R was a big deal in your household growing up, if I am not mistaken. Oh, can we talk? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my that. goodness. My mother would be like, oh, don't talk to me. Oh, everybody sit down. Oh, shut up. Oh, oh. Y&R? was like ev shut everything shut down don't talk to her or whatever we had to be you know sitting if we're in the living room watching we gotta be watching otherwise don't talk i mean it was that important okay <laughs> and it was so interesting that that's and i think that's the only uh, soap opera that i even remember you know what i mean because my mom was so hooked on that storyline loved her some victor honey <laughs> loved some victor and um, it's, it's just what a full circle that, you know, I would audition for this show and be cast on this show that was so much a part of my life growing up. It's just like, I don't know, it, it's crazy. But yes, it, that was a really important show in our household. Yeah. So had you ever auditioned for a soap before? Never, ever, ever. This is my first time being in the soap world. I mean... You know, I've only been in it for a year, you know, in a guest star on YNR. And uh, to even be, you know, here at this point, it's such a, you know, I call myself, they call me the baby of the soap opera. <laughs> because, you know, it's just been, this is my first time ever auditioning or being a part of this world. Yeah. Well, I'm writing an angry letter to every single casting director because I feel that uh, we've been missing out uh, uh, on some Tosha stories. So tell, yeah. us about, tell us about what the audition process was like. Well, the audition process was, you know, I remember the storyline and I remember thinking, God, like, I love this storyline. So there's some people in my family that this is their journey of giving up their child for adoption and then finding the child. And I thought, wow, like, what a, it would be an honor to be able to portray this character because I know that it, it well, one, it, it triggers so many because there's so many people who've been in this journey, but hopefully there's some healing that could, you know, can happen as well. So I was really excited about the audition because it's something when you're an actor and you can, you know, you can see a life and you go, God, I would love to breathe life into this human being. I feel like, because, you know, we're on this earth to serve. And I think that's how we serve as an actor through our craft and telling stories. And so that was exciting to me. And, you know, we get auditions all the time and different things, but there's some, some characters that really resonate with you. And that was one of them. So I was really excited uh, to be, you know, to ask you or even audition for that. And so in doing that, um, I remember it took them a minute, you know what I mean? To like, sometimes you get, you know, right off if you book something and whatever. So I remember I didn't hear anything. And I was like, I feel like I killed that audition. Like, and so I remember calling my manager. I was like, have we heard anything? Why not? She was like, no, no. I was like, oh, okay, well, guess I didn't get it. Okay. So I'm moving on or whatever. And then she calls me like two days later and said, you booked it. I was like, I did. Oh, my goodness, I booked it. So I was excited. Yes. Mm -hmm. What about your mom? Oh, oh, oh. So I tell you. So then, so after I booked it, I called my Oh, that was the first person I called. Oh, I was like, mom. 
you need to sit down. What? What? I said, you have to sit down. I said, you have no idea what I have just done. She was like, what? I said, I will be on the young and the rest. And she was like, oh my God. We, I mean, it's like she cried. I cried because it was like a full circle moment. It wasn't just the job. It was like the life experience. And here I am. And I was like, Ma, as soon as I see Victor, I'm going to make sure he knows that you love him. <laughs> so, yeah, we were really excited about that. And she was too excited and still excited today. Yes. I love that. Um, well, daytime is a very specific medium and shoots really fast, which I know oh, yeah. is also a hallmark of how Tyler Perry works. So do oh, yeah. you feel like there was a learning curve, nevertheless, when you started? Well, I will say this. If, if I had not already worked with Mr. Perry, I don't know about Young and Arrested in terms of the rigor. Because they are, it's so, it, you know, because I know that life, because that's what I do now, I was able to fit right in. I know the, you know, the one take, you know, and with YNR, I mean, they don't really play, you know. <laughs> it's like, you need to be on your stuff, which I can honor, honor respect that because I know, you know, I come from that. So I think that me being a part of that fast-paced, shooting world really helped me into being successful in this role because um i mean with with soap operas it's like you do a monologue then somebody else does a monologue you do a monologue someone you know what i mean it's a lot of conversation so you really have to be up and ready for that and so i think um me being a part of tyler's uh process helped me to be successful in this process with my and yeah well, you, uh, as, as, as Naya, have arguably the two most gorgeous daughters on daytime television, Michelle Morgan and Rose. Uh, so tell us about working with them and the relationship you forged off camera as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what I want to say is that, you know, as actors, we, you know, we visit many sets and not all sets, you know, are, are as welcoming. You know what I mean? So with YNR, I will say that the warmth that I felt coming on, I mean, they've been on this, you know, on this show forever and a day. You know, here I am, my first time being in the soap world, you know, on a soap set. But I will say that the team there from, from you know, Tony, who's the executive producer, coming down to my room and saying, I just want to thank you for being a part of this and we are loving your work, to, you know, uh, wardrobe, Tony is amazing, Matt's amazing. I mean, it's such a beautiful spirit in terms of the family there. Like, I have to say that because it's not always the case. Mm -hmm. um, that they made me feel so well. The, the YNR set is, you know, they're just pretty amazing. Um, and so then I go to the actors and Michelle Morgan and Leanne were my daughters. And I felt like they were my daughters, you know, from the gate. I mean, our spirits just kind of connected, right? And then working with Michelle, who's a stellar actress. I mean, she really is. And she was so open, like open to me. One of the beautiful things about when you're doing scenes with, with actors who are skilled is that, you know, you can prep all day long outside of the scene, but when you get in the scene, you want them to be present so that you can create some magic. You know what I mean? Something that you may not have thought of may have happened. I danced, she danced, and we danced together. And I, I tell you, that's what happened with us. And it was just so refreshing um, as an actor to be working with someone who you knew that you know, whatever scene we were in, that we had each other and that we would go with each other. And that's, I think, what made the magic for both of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, is there anyone you were starstruck by to see in person, given your history as a viewer of the show? Well, yes. I mean, Peter, first Peter. Um, it's funny because I was, you know, I'm not starstruck like that because, you know, I've been in the business for a minute. 
But when I saw Peter, and then it was then it was Victor. You know, of course, Victor, I was like, oh my God, because he is like the icon of all soap operas, right? Yeah. So the first one I got to talk to was Peter, and he was so nice and warm. And I was like, listen, I know that you know you take pictures all the time, but I gotta get a picture with you. And so he was just so gracious. And we took a picture and he was like, Yeah, it's all you see. And I thought they were wonderful, you know, just beautiful. And then um I, I haven't gotten a chance to work with uh victor but i i've seen him in passing and he's very nice i'm like hi how are you doing so eventually i'd like to get a picture with him but i'm gonna give him you know give him a minute but it's just so nice to be able to walk and share the same hall with these <laughs> you know what i mean it's like pinch me <laughs> am i asleep yeah yeah it's wonderful you truly have done such a beautiful job as naya and now you have a daytime emmy nomination to just be some further evidence of of that <laughs> so what did it feel like to get the news that you were nominated for a daytime emmy it was you know you knew that it's you know it's a possibility but you kind of you know you kind of don't because you know as we've talked about my journey it's like i would do you know you always think okay one day i may win a you know you, you do a speech in the mirror about an oscar emmy a tony any kind of award right and me being a year in on the soap world you know what i mean and when um Matt called me and was like, I was walking. I was just doing my little daily walk and he called me and he was like, Tosha, you have been nominated for a daytime Emmy. And I screamed, <laughs> right? And I'm sure people were like, oh my God, is somebody like accosting her? What was going on? And uh, we said, he and I, we celebrated together. And I thought, wow, like dreams do come true. You just keep working and keep doing, you know, what you know to do and honor your craft. And oh my God. So all of my, the whole flashback of my life happened as I was screaming and crying with Matt. And then after I got off the phone with him, of course, I called my mom and she answered and I was screaming. She was like, what? She thought something had happened to me because I couldn't get the words. <laughs> and, um, and then we, you know, we cried together and she was just so happy. It was such a, it's just such a full circle moment once again. And then I called my son and he was just like, mom, I know your journey. I know what you've gone through and I'm just so happy for you. And then we cried some more. <laughs> so it's just been, you know, because it, it's nice when, you know, you're, you're acknowledged for the work that you do. We work so hard as actors, you know, and to be recognized for the work that we put in over the years, it's just, it really is a, it's a, it's an astonishing feeling, you know, it's hard to describe, but I hope I've done so. It's just beautiful. Well, the show did a beautiful photo shoot for all the nominees. Um, so when you came in, what was it like to be in that company, especially with Michelle, who is up for lead actress? Yay! I, you know, I was all like on, on cloud nine. <laughs> you know, I think they were all working. And I came in and we did our photo shoot. And, you know, like I said, Michelle is amazing. And actually, she and I have become friends, you know, since the um, since working with her on the show. And, you know, we go to eat often or whatever. And so... We, after we took pictures and we hugged, I hugged Nan, I hugged Shell, you know, just happy to be on this journey with them. And, you know, I know that, you know, Michelle was a, uh, had a lot to do with me being a part of this nomination because of the work that we did. And so, you know, we had talked about it. We had gone to lunch a couple of times and was like, God, wouldn't that be great? And I encouraged her. I was encouraging her because I think she's amazing. But you got to do it, you know, not knowing that I would be a part of that as a conversation as well. And so that was beautiful. And we went to eat after we took pictures or whatever, you know, I hung out and waited on them to finish working. We went to eat at our favorite, favorite sushi, sushi spot and celebrated some more. And, you know, I love them. They're just like my family. And to just be in this 
at the table with Michelle and the rest of them being so new into this soap opera game. It's just, it's an honor. Are you excited for the ceremony itself? I am excited, but I'm still trying to find something to wear, you know, <laughs> all of that stuff. But I'm, I'm really excited. Like I said, I'm glad to have a seat at the table. It, you know, it'd be wonderful if I win, but if I, you know, if something happens and I don't, I'm still here. And it's an award in itself to be, you know, a daytime Emmy nominated actress. Come on now. That's I just like the ring of that. Um, so. <laughs> that <was> great. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds so, really right. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, but yes, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. The, you know, trying to find a team, make sure that that I honor the celebration in my, you know, in my wardrobe and my hair and my makeup. Uh, it's, it's a bit stressful because you want it to be, you know, you want it to be right. But I know it'll all come together as everything always does. So, but I'm excited. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, this seems to be a great time in your career and your son Jordan is also doing well in his acting career. So what's it like for you to see him pursue his dream and succeed at it the way he has? Oh my God. You know, as I am an actress and I play different roles, I always say my best role yet is being the mother of my son. It's so interesting about him being in this, in this uh, career because because I know my journey, I, you know, I, I didn't encourage him to be an actor, right? I was like, you go on, you know, USC, he was a business major at first, and then he was like, well, I don't like business. Okay, I said, and then he went into communications. So when he graduated, again, I, while I am an actress, and he's been with me to auditions and all that, being a single parent, he's been a part of my world. But I never wanted him to really do this, because I didn't want him to be, have to deal with all the no's and the disappointments that I know, you know, can, this business can bring. But he grabbed, when he walked across the stage at USC, he came off stage and he goes, Mom, here's your degree. I'm going to act. <laughs> I said, what? He was like, I'm going to act. And I was like, okay. He got my degree, which I needed him to get. And I said, I'll do everything in my power to help you, knowing that if he needed to go to do whatever, he had that. And so that made me feel good. And so I tell you, out the gate, once he got his representation, man. He just started booking out the, just booking. He was in the rail show and, uh, oh my God, uh, Snowfall and Wisdom of the Crowd. And oh, it was just so much, right? And I was like, okay, well, okay, okay, son. And of course he knows I'm here to have his back. So anyway, uh, he's now on a show called Bel Air and it's, um, it's a big hit yeah. and I'm just so, happy that he is doing what he chose to do and what he loves and I'm of course supporting him in that but that he's following his dream and he did it kind of in spite of me you know what I mean because <laughs> I was like no I want you to get a job job I want you to have something secure but you know it's working um you know I'm, I'm there with him every step of the way he'll be with me you know when we um when we go to the Emmy ceremony and uh, he's just like now he's my road dog and <laughs> I um, I love him with everything I got. Well, before we let you go, number one, I'm going to need your address because I am billing you for the Kleenex. <laughs> um, and <laughs> number two, uh, you know, you've described really such a remarkable and incredible and inspiring journey with ups and downs. So I'm wondering if you can put into words what it feels like to be in this moment of that journey. You're thriving. Jordan's thriving. Your career is thriving. This is probably the best moment in my adult life. I tell you, it's like the words that come to mind is like perseverance, trust, believing in yourself, 
believing in a higher being, um, doing the right thing, those things come to mind because I know that, you know, and I always tell my son, it doesn't, doesn't matter, you know, what you've been through. It's what you want to do with your life. And I wish I could shout that to the masters, you know, that someone can hear me when I say that, you know, what I've told you is just really part of my journey, but that it really doesn't matter your environment, doesn't matter raising, doesn't matter, you know, whatever tumultuous journey you've been through, if you've been through any of that, because we all are here on this earth for a purpose and we're here to serve and you find out how you serve. You know, I happen to be serving through my work, but you find out how you serve. And even as I encourage my son who, you know, especially during COVID, you know, cause he was so used to working, working, working. And all of a sudden, you know, he's not working at all. He's like, Oh my God. I said, this is the moment I'm talking about son <laughs> and having to, you know, and having to keep, you know, keep him encouraged. And I, and I said to him, son, you just got to know that you know that you know that this is what you're doing, what you're supposed to do. And then you got to know that you know that you know that you're giving everything you have to your work because you have to honor it. You don't wake up one day and go, I'm just this. You got to work for it, right? And you do that and you stay in line and you'll be honored. And so I say that to him and I'm living it. And he'll tell me all the time, Ma, I just, every time I get discouraged, I think about your journey. Because, you know, he was a part of it as a child. He's like, every time I get discouraged, I think about your journey. And I just say, I'm just going to stay in line. I'm just going to stay in line. And what I've done is I've stayed in line. And I continue to work hard. And this moment just solidifies, again, what I already know, that once you find your purpose, you just keep going no matter what the ups and downs are. And I think um, um, I, I'm at this mountain. And I, I love the Andre DeShields, who says at the at the top of every mountain is the bottom of the next. And I feel like I'm at the top of this mountain finally, right? And I've been climbing and I've been climbing and here I am. And I know that I'm at the bottom of the next, which I have so much, you know, I have so much more to attain, but I know it's possible because I know I've conquered this mountain. And so I am just at a really glorious time. I am grateful. My son survived, I survived. <laughs> and not only did we survive, we are thriving. And I'm just grateful. And I can't wait to see what the next mountain looks like for me. Mm -hmm. It's going to be good based, <laughs> based on your journey. And <laughs> your story has just been so incredible to listen to. You're you. a remarkable person. All thank that you've you. been through and accomplished is just very inspiring. So thank, thank you, you for sharing your story. We wish you the best of luck at the daytime Emmys. Well, we Yay. Of course. And again, looking forward to seeing what's next for Naya and thanking you for everything today. Thank you so much. And you guys have a glorious day. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Tosha Story for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. <laughs>